Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. Today we're going to be talking about Ford versus Ferrari, the new movie with Matt Damon and Christopher... Christian Bale. Christian Bale, my bad. I was about to say Chris Nolan, but then I was like, that's not right, and then my nope. ma- my brain just totally like malfunctioned on Can me. Can you imagine Christopher Nolan's Ford versus Ferrari? <laughs> That would be a much different Very, movie. very intense. And uh, I, I don't know. How, how. What do you think would happen with that? I feel like you would start with the race, and then like you'd cut back to the beginning, oh. and then you'd end up with near the beginning, and then you'd go back to the race, and then the race. Like I think he'd emphasize the timing of the race, because like, you know it's how far mm-hmm. you can go in 24 hours. Yep. So I think it would basically be like he'd emphasize that part of it and then kind of fit the rest of it into that sort of idea. I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a bad movie, but I think it doesn't really fit this story as well as his sensibilities do. James Mangold's sensibilities are much more uh, accurate to this story, which yeah. is why I think, well, whatever, we'll get into it. I had a great time with this movie. Yeah, so I was I. very impressed. Um, I, I think they did a great job with actually like showing a lot of racing. And there was more in it than I expected. I expected it kind of be like, okay, they're gonna, you know, build the Ford GT. They're gonna maybe show a little bit of the interactions between Matt Damon and and uh, Matt Damon's character, who is Sh- uh, Shelby and um, and Ken Ken Miles, who's uh, who's his, I guess, partner in crime here, but not really crime. He's his racer to Shelby's cars. He's a, he's a, Carol Shelby's designing the cars. Uh, but I, I, I just expected them to, yeah, just make, they're going to get hired by Ford, make the Ford GT, and they're going to show Le Mans, essentially that. Yeah. But they actually, uh, they showed races before, during, after. They showed all the aspects of designing it, all the, all the trials and tribulations that went into actually trying to get Ken Miles to drive in the yeah. Le Mans race. I mean, that's probably the most, great. that's, that's the biggest chunk of the movie. And honestly, it's probably the most interesting part of the movie to me because, mm-hmm. That's kind of the main, that's where the the theme of the movie shows itself the most is the the way that Ford as a company and as a bigger uh, entity controls what's below it and kind of its its corporate structure and how that might not necessarily be conducive towards winning a race. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I also just loved looking at the background of this movie because I love Because you're like like the car guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I was so thrilled the fact that they actually had Shelby Daytonas in the background in in Carol Shelby's like warehouses because I was thinking okay maybe the guys in the movie uh or the people who made the movie they might just be only showing the Cobra personally I'm not a big Cobra fan but I love the Shelby Daytona and sure enough they had it they they showed a few of them and I mean I think there were only either four or six Shelby Daytonas ever made and uh yeah it was just it's it's such a cool car to see so i was i was very thrilled to see that in the background there was a lot of really really just good looking cars in this movie and they really just 
It's this is the car lover's dream of a movie. Yep, it has there everything. Are you, there are definitely a lot of cars. <laughs> yeah, it has everything you want in it, though. It, I mean, it's got good comedy. It's got great acting, great story. Music was awesome. I, me, and uh, my buddy who went and saw it together, we were laughing really hard at one point. There, are, there are a couple funny scenes. It's not like funny throughout. Yeah, but it's got it's got a couple. There's basically like two scenes, I would say, two or three scenes that are just really stand out as funny. But the rest of it's yeah. pretty pretty straightforward. I'm gonna tell you the scene that I thought was really funny, and I, obviously without context, you're not gonna. It's not gonna like make sense. So I don't think it's gonna spoil anything. Carol Shelby's fly. He he flies a plane. Kind of does does this like uh you know strafe over over this crowd of people and it just. <laughs> For some reason, it just made me laugh so hard. Me and my my buddy, we, uh, oh my gosh, we were laughing for probably a solid like 20, 20 seconds, just for some reason, because it just it it just is so perfectly timed, and the, the way that they handle it really nonchalantly is just awesome. And yeah, it was it was great. I I had a wonderful movie going experience for this, and I would probably go see it again. Yeah, I mean, on the whole, I I would just say that. It's just a solid movie. Mm-hmm. It it comes, it knows what it wants to do, and it gets it done. In like it gets the well job done. It just way. it's very it's. I mean, for two and a half hours, it's still pretty efficient. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely. It knows what it wants to be as far as the car yep. stuff goes. It, it puts that in there. It's got the racing that you want. It's got. It's just and it's an overall solid biopic, not biopic, but like drama, biography, yep. historical, whatever. Yes. Like it's got all that, all those elements. I think James Mangold is a very good filmmaker who has kind of mastered that kind of idea of of the biography, and and he brings it, and he comes, he comes, he shows up, and you got a you got a great movie right here. I mean, that's yeah. what it is. I'm I was so impressed by the pacing too, because nothing ever felt rushed and nothing ever felt too slow. I thought that it was perfect, and for I mean, in, in two and a, two and a half hours. You know, me and my buddy, we looked at each other. It's like because we saw late. We saw the yeah ten twenty five showing. Where, where did you see it? At the market right here in Oshkosh. Yeah. Okay, so I saw this in Oshkosh as well. At and, seven and at seven and and uh, the screen was flickering like throughout the entire movie. I did notice that too. That must have been their thing. Yeah, but I think it wasn't that bad. There's, it was. I thought it was really bad. Oh, like oh. It, it really bothered me. It was, and it was throughout the entire movie, oh. which just got on my nerves. Marcus, like, the Marcus when, in Oshkosh isn't amazing. is not up to par. I think the um, best one around here is the one in Appleton. The one uh, in the Valley Grand. Yeah, I just went there this morning to see Parasite again. Mm-hmm. And like it was pretty much flawless. Like yeah. the, the the screen was bright. The surround sound was locked yeah, in. Like it, the... it had everything spot on. Mm-hmm. And, and you can you can hear it when it when it, it makes a difference. And you can hear it when the when the surround sound is is uh, is on and working and working the way it's supposed to. Yeah, Whereas with Ford versus uh... Ferrari, I mean, it was you can like when the cars go around and like they're around the racetrack, you hear it. You hear that go around the surround sound or yeah, whatever. Yeah, Dolby Atmos but, or whatever. Well, they don't have Atmos. They only have Dolby Atmos in the super screen. Oh, um, but. And when I saw this in Oshkosh, it just doesn't have this. It's just not the same. It doesn't sound as crisp as yep. it does. Like it's, it's just. I don't think their system is up to snuff in Oshkosh. A, but in a, Valley, a at the Valley Grand in Appleton, the, pretty much everything. Every time I've gone there, it's been, it's been pretty much spot on. A lot of Marcus theaters um, are still in the process of being upgraded. Um, you know, I think there's still like 90 or something so. that don't even have Dream Loungers at all. Yeah, the the other the other Appleton one does not have Dream Loungers. It does in some places. That's the only one, in the super screens, I think. The, yeah, only the, the super screens the do. One. And um, I talked to the to the manager in there, and she, um, yeah, she said that she like went to a seminar and 
you know, I think at one point she actually spoke a little bit and asked how many people didn't have that stuff. And it was kind of like a, you know, wake up moment for some of the top brass at Marcus. But, um, yeah, it's, I think they're all still in the, in the process of upgrading. There's a lot of theaters that Marcus owns, so they got a lot to do and it's, it's a lot of money. I mean, I guess for every hundred thousand that the theater actually takes in, it's only like five grand in profit in pure profit for ticket sales for, for I think everything. As far as I know, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. They're the primary uh, theater in the Midwest, basically. So, mm-hmm. yep, there's not really many other options from where we are. I know, and I just wish every theater was like that one we went to in Waukesha. Yeah, I mean, that, that one in Waukesha was, was so amazing. Yeah, but uh, on, but the honestly the the I wish we had AMC here because AMC you get a list, which is three dot three movies a week for the whole month for twenty dollars a month. Hmm. It's ins- it's like an That's insane cool. deal that AMC has. Well, I um, get a good deal anyways because every yeah, I mean I, I get but movies so I get I get I get discounts if you buy your tickets from from Fandango they give you like five bucks every like three or four tickets you buy which is not bad but it's still not like you're getting the AMC A list deal is is really solid. I wish we Sounds had an AMC good. here. Yeah, but let's keep going <laughs> with the movie. Yep. Um, uh, I think the performance is overall. I, I didn't have any issues with this. Yeah. There was nothing cinematography-wise, acting-wise. I think this was one of the best-looking movies, I've, or best-executed movies I've ever ever seen. I, I can't think of one thing I would change. I, do you, can you think of anything? Like, if you would, if you could, like, in hindsight now, take it out of theaters, rework one thing or two things, and what would you do? I mean, I wouldn't really change anything necessarily like but it's it's definitely a crowd pleaser yeah which is not necessarily a bad thing but as far as like my overall list for the year goes Mm. it's not super high up there it's up there it's it's on my top 10 but it's 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 not necessarily something special that i would call special didn't blow you away yeah it's but it's it comes like i said it comes in and gets the job done it does what it's supposed to but it's again i said before that the length is it's paced well within its 12 and a half hour length, but I think it could use maybe like five, 10 minutes off their runtime. It does like it, it's not, I, that it, it doesn't feel the length when you're in it, mm-hmm. but, and in hindsight, it feels like you could have told this in slightly less time, which I don't know is necessarily a criteria. Like if you, which, which is better way to judge it is if if it feels long or if it shouldn't be as long, I don't know which is a better criteria, but this does seem in hindsight, like there's the story itself overall does not need two and a half hours to be told. But I mean, I, I enjoy pretty much enjoy myself throughout except for the flickering screen, which really bothered. That's not the movie's fault. That's the fault. That's definitely not the movie's fault. And that's, and, but, but I did have trouble getting into the movie as a result of that. So I'm not blaming the movie for that, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it, it was, yep. A bit of an issue as far as like my personal experience goes with with the movie yeah so i would say if you're gonna see it and you're in the oshkosh appleton nina Manash area i'd say head to the the, the valley, valley grand, grand yeah. cinema the valley it's, grand is also playing it on the super screen which that's cool i i'm instead gonna of, go instead of charlie's angels which is what oshkosh is playing on the super screen oh jeez and yeah, ford versus right. ferrari is is doing much better at the box of office than charlie's the heck, angels as far who, as i'm aware was asking for a charlie's angels movie right now <laughs> i mean it's just like yeah, it, it yeah. seems out of the out of the blue. It didn't get advertised very heavily. It's like, yeah. Uh, so on, uh, I, I I heard about it once, and then I didn't hear anything about it. And I last night, I think I saw a trailer for it, maybe or not last night. 
I don't know, I think I saw a commercial for it recently again for the second time ever, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They are making that, aren't they? Yeah, so far, so as far as box office goes, Ford vs. Ferrari is tracking to a 30 million day three-day weekend. Sweet. Which is pretty solid. Um, it, but it received an A plus cinema score, which is like basically unheard of. Nothing gets an A plus. I, I but can like see I why. said, this movie's a, this movie's a, this movie is a crowd pleaser. It's it's mm-hmm. coming in and doing its job pretty much perfectly. I think it was very very uh, yeah. But very then Char- Charlie's Angels clean and is and sitting at a uh, three million weekend. Oof. Uh, eight million. Sorry, eight million. Three week. Three million on Friday. Eight million overall, which is, I mean. It's eight million. It's whatever. It's uh, if you want to talk about bad openings, did he, I think we might have discussed it briefly. Did you hear about what happened with Arctic Dogs? Yeah, it flopped big it, time. It was the the worst opening weekend for a mass released animated movie ever. Um, where it was at twenty eight hundred theaters and it made three million dollars in its opening weekend. Yeah, it, it was so bad. bad. I luckily I didn't even try to watch that, but I've heard from people they're like, yeah, my grandparents wanted to take you know little Jimmy to, you know, I'm like, seriously, you guys, come on, you can you can see a better movie than that. Yeah, but <laughs> no one was gonna go see. I mean, it looks like they just too there was too many different voices going at that movie too. Like I heard there was a lot of executive interference. And this says that Charlie's up. Angels. Yeah is sitting at the worst wide opening ever. <laughs> wide opening is over 3000 theaters. Yep. Charlie's Angels 3 million 3 million opening is the Yikes. worst ever. Yeah, so Art the Dogs and Charlie's Angels two breaking breaking their records respectively for, for Wait, their... that doesn't that's not right cuz it said before that 3 million was its Friday gross. So why is this telling me that 3 million is its weekend gross. That's weird. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But they're not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> a few movies in the theaters are not doing well. Ford vs. Ferrari is doing well. Joker cracked a billion, which is a huge feat. First ever rated our movie to do that while it was in theaters. So congrats to the people at, at Warner Brothers and DC. You guys made an amazing film. You guys did it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy that that was the one to do it and not like Deadpool or something. So good job. I give you my thumbs up. But back to our actual movie here, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, do you think anybody in this could be getting an award? Yeah, I mean, Christian Bale and Matt Damon both basically have, I don't know, I think they're basically both, it's a dual protagonist, mm-hmm. I think, is how I would categorize that. Yeah, so I, I would too. Because... Dual protagonist is kind of a rare thing. You don't see that too often, but I think this like, would this would qualify. This uh, was that Wedding Crashers, Zoolander two. Uh, I'm trying I, to think of some other movies that would have that. Um, hmm. I don't even know. I. You ever see Zoolander two? No. You ever see the I first did one? Not. I I saw the first one. I don't really remember much about it though. Honestly. I think it's so funny. I, I think Zoolander might be my favorite like Ben Stiller comedy, <laughs> just because the character of Derek Zoolander is like the most ridiculous thing ever, and there are so many good like joke lines that you can quote. Yeah, just like how people think like the, the same thing with like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, but dual well Dumb and yeah the Dumb and Dumber Dumb and Dumber, Dumber might be an example of a dual protagonist. Yeah, there's another one. Yeah, uh, Twenty One Jump Street. 
Yes. Buddy comedies in general are going to have dual protagonists. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, what's the one with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg? The other guys? Yep, that's it. Uh, but I think dual protagonist Seems brings like up it. an interesting... It's just interesting structurally because when you have a dual protagonist, you're going to have... There's a difference between dual, a dual protagonist, I think, and multiple characters who act as a single protagonist. Like so like, Shazam? Like... No. <laughs> no. No, that's more literal. <laughs> I was thinking like Game Night is another... I just thought of the comedy comedies. Oh, like Because yeah. Game Night, you've got... Like the the two married people. couples, yeah. no, not the, but the, just uh, the the uh, uh, what's what's their names? Jason Bateman's character and Rachel McAdams' character. They're not really a dual co- protagonist so much as they are a unit that functions as a single protagonist. Whereas, mm. like in Twenty One Jump Street or something like Ford vs Ferrari, you've got two different protagonists who have about equal interest in the story, who each go on their own. Yeah, they have their own their specializations. Own, their, own, and... their own self. They have to achieve their own self revelation. They have to achieve their own uh, new stasis in life. They have to like they, yep. they go through their own journey. Each of them, yep. which is different from from like something like Game Night, where you've got two different characters who act as one protagonist who have one goal they have to reach together. Cool. I think it's just it's just an interesting structural choice that you don't see often because I think it is somewhat difficult to pull off because when you've got this kind of dual protagonist idea. You've got to do basically twice the work because you've mm-hmm. got twice the things that the twice the character beats that you have to pay off. Because hmm. one character beat one character arc with all its uh, sequential beats is is hard enough as it is, but when you add two of them, it's it's pretty difficult. And I think this movie pretty much pulls it off. I mean, neither of them have super significant arcs, I would say, but they both have pretty fleshed out characters that have to somewhat fight for screen time. Yep. But it's 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 different from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where you could argue that that's a dual protagonist, but it's I think it's I think I would say that it's probably uh No, I'd say that is. You think that is? I mean, that's I would it's, say it so. could be arguable it could be arguable line. either way, but I would say that Cliff Booth it's not Cliff Booth's movie so much as it is Rick Dalton's movie. I think Rick Dalton is the primary mm-hmm. protagonist and Cliff Booth is there more to support him. Yeah. I, I think that one's right on the line where it you could, could be right say on the line. Yeah, it's, but one I, or the it's, other. It's less so than four. And I think the reason the reason why we, why I brought this all up in the first place is because I don't know who they're actually going to end up nominating if either of them, Christian Bale or Matt Damon. I think it would be Matt Damon. As the main guy, because I feel like it is like well, right now a little more t- focus on on Carol Shelby than it is Ken Miles. Okay, so for best actor on Gold Derby, which is the Oscar odds, I think the, the really the only Oscar odds side that I know of, Christian Bale is sitting at ninth most likely for a nomination, and Matt Damon is sitting at twenty eighth. Really? Yeah. I, I liked- think I think Christian Bale has a more showy role. He has a more showy role, but which is what Oscars like though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's got more kind of to show off as far as dramatic. He's going in crazy yeah. places and then he's coming more subdued. And I think I really liked his character in this in that way because he kind of goes off to the crazy places, but he's still seen to be sort of rat. He's not, he's not the off the wall drunk kind of doesn't care about anybody. Like you see him do these kind of crazy things, but you still see that he cares about his family a lot. He cares yeah, about he's his a kid. Really, he's a he good cares about his wife. He's, he's he's a good husband and he's a good father. He's and good a friend, like yeah. and a good friend. Like he's all those things. He's just kind of like wild in these yeah, in the he, area of racing. And I really like that because bit. that's yep. it's it's a lot different from what you normally see from that type of character. Yes. who's normally like his entire life's falling apart. He's not good at anything ex- at in his in as far as his life skills go. But he's he's really skilled in this one area. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like Christian Bale's he's, character in 
in The Fighter. Mm. Oh, is that? I think that's his character. It's either him or or Mark Wahlberg. I haven't seen that movie in a while. But it, that, I feel it's like that's the, Mark Wahlberg. It's the, that it's that that's the character in The Fighter. Is the is a character who who's who's not good at anything ex- in his, his life except for boxing. Yeah, that's Mark Wahlberg. By yeah, the way. it is. It is. Um, uh, Christian Bale. He, is he the trainer in that movie? No idea. I've never seen it, but I have. Oddly enough, like you know how movie clips on YouTube sometimes like just put stuff in your recommended. Yeah. Okay, so I I have like the four out of four four. Yeah. So Mark Mark Wahlberg is the guy who keeps messing up, and then from that, and I see him in it. So I just saw him on the. On that's the right. Christian Bale is his brother, so he's also a boxer. <laughs> Okay, and he and Christian Bale is also more troubled, and he tries it. That's why I thought that. so. Christian Bale does have that kind of like not good at anything. He's kind of a jerk to yeah. everyone in his life, and he tries. He keeps bringing Mark Wahlberg into kind of being not a good person, and but okay. and Mark Wahlberg they kind of have to like yeah. So that's and that's why I was reminded of that because like that's who he played in the fighter, mm. and it's kind of a very similar role because it's a sports movie where he's where it's blending like life stuff with sports stuff and typically when you have that he's not a good person in sports but he in in life but he's a good person at sports here he's he's kind of good at both but he's just kind of off the wall and it's the corporation that's holding him down sort of yeah and, and he has to work through that Carol, yeah him and Carol Shelby him and, which, yeah they're both being held down by the by the corporation of Ford it's not yeah. really any single character flaw I mean he's got a he's got a quote-unquote character flaw in his in his wildness that, but that's not really his character that's what makes him great honestly and it's the corporation that doesn't like that about him mm-hmm. and that holds him down because of it rather than that being literally like a character flaw it's something that they see as a character flaw that really probably isn't that brings up a great point, and I actually wanted to say this earlier, um, but I had forgotten. So this movie, to me, felt less like Ford versus Ferrari, but more like Carol Shelby and Ken Booth ver- versus Ford. Or, not Ken Booth. Uh, Ken Miles. Ken Miles versus Ford corporate. <laughs> like it really. Did. Honestly, like it does not even largely. not even uh, Henry Ford the second isn't even like necessarily the guy holding him back. It's that one dude that's opposite of um, Iacocca. The, Lee, the, Lee the, Iacocca. Yeah, Lee Iacocca. He and was fine. He was with them. John Bernthal. Yeah. Um, I'm just... So the other guy, the other executive that was in charge of that. and uh, Yeah, so... so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. who I'm talking about. Yeah. He's almost more the main uh, bad guy of this, the main villain of this than, than Ferrari is. Ferrari's kind of rude, but also they're making really cool cars. and they, yeah. But they... they Early on in the movie, they get into a really good point about these companies at that time. Ford was on top of the world. Like, they were selling... Ford and Chevy were just... Or, I guess, yeah. Well, GM and all these other companies were just selling an exorbitant amount of cars. Millions and millions. Whereas all of these little European ones, other than, I think, Fiat, maybe, were just barely making anything. I mean, Lamborghini was barely making anything. Did a few designs for BMW. Uh, Ferrari was barely doing anything. It was like... They were only making race cars, a, like a, a couple hundred of the fanciest sports cars you could buy, and that's about it. Like, that was all they did. And they bring up right at the beginning that, you know, at this time Ferrari was bankrupt. And there's a really interesting video I watched recently that that kind of talks about when all of these companies had been acquisitioned and when when things started to merge. And, like, right now, I think the biggest car company in the world is 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 volkswagen because right they, now they, yeah They're like present day yeah present yeah. day but i mean at this time this is when everything started changing i mean i i think at a point chrysler owned like lamborghini 
it was it's really weird there's at, at in the 60s 70s and 80s every car company was moving all over the place things were going bankrupt and being bought out and doing all this this movie gets into that a little bit and i i appreciate them showing a little bit of that history um and yeah it's it it really is just like ferrari kind of being you know a little pretentious and they think they're cool and whatever and and then you know they insult henry ford and ford goes on a, a, a yeah. on a revenge streak kind of to try to dethrone them and actually another thing cool thing that they show is they they show that the first year of the ford gt it lost big time at, at le mans and then it was the next year when they tweaked it even more because originally they only had like 90 days to do that and get it ready for le mans and obviously that's not enough time and so the ford gt was not successful in i think that was the night was it the 1960 Le Mans? 66 is the one or in the movie. Six, okay, so then it would have been the 65 Le Mans, it loses. The 66 one, it wins. And actually, they talk about um, how Ferrari had won it for like five five consecutive years. After that, the Ford GT wins it for like four or five consecutive years from 66, I think, until 70 or 71. So it's really cool how, how that kind of flipped. And it shows that the Ford GT at the time was an unbelievably advanced car. And, uh, I mean, heck, it still is today if you buy a new one. But um, I think, what, you have to, there's some weird rules with it, though. I don't know if you you know about any of those. The Le Mans? No, the the Ford GT nowadays. Like, to own one, you have to, like, sign an agreement that you won't, like, turn around and sell it right away. Oh, really? Yeah, you have to, I think you have to own it for a while. You also have to be, like, a certain type of member with Ford or something. Like, you got to be, like, one of those dudes who, like, is always pre-ordering these, their, their models or something like that there's some weird requirements but i know that they do not like you have to sign a contract so you don't just sell it um i can't remember if it's john cena or maybe the rock one of those two some wwe big wwe guy has a ford gt right now a brand new one and i think they got in a little trouble because i think they tried to sell it or something like that hmm. it, it, it's interesting and and they're just they're very touchy about their their cars right now especially the ford gt <laughs> yeah um they also show a little bit of the Mustang coming into this movie, like yeah, because that would be because they they yeah. aired the or they showed. Oh yeah, up. my my I watched this with my grandpa and he leaned over to me and said, "That's my first car right there." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Awesome." Yeah, the '64 and a half Mustang uh, was the was the first one that they ever did. So they I I caught that right away. And do you know how you can kind of tell like the years of the Mustang? I don't really know much about cars. So. No. Oh man, see that's the thing. Like I always enjoyed the heck out of this. But that's it, that is something that uh that's really interesting about this is that it's like a dad movie. <laughs> it's it's been remarked as that several times. It's a dad movie. A dad hey, movie. You know what? But like, I, I will agree, my dad would have loved to watch this movie. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um and so I watched it with my dad and my grandpa. That's so cool. it was just it was just really fun, honestly. Um would have been cool to see this with my grandpa too. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's in Arizona right now. But it's like cars go fast, big gas, lots of fun. It's like just yeah. lots of cars and racing and I mean the editing the editing on on the races is really solid. Yeah. Like it's, it was good and it it keeps continuity very well. You understand where they are. It makes it right it's not just them going around in circles and and you don't really know what's going on. They they, they there all- is a couple times where the where the announcer sneaks in as exposition for yeah. the race, which I don't really like, but for the most part, you don't even notice it really. You, you don't really notice that part, but like you don't really even need it. Like you, the editing and the and the way it's filmed, you understand who's doing what, why they're doing it, mm-hmm. which is what you need out of a great action scene, and it makes for a great racing scene as well. Um, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I thought that they really they really 
make it so that you can tell everyone where they are, how well the race is going. I also can appreciate that with all of these endurance races, so like the 24 Hours of Le Mans, Daytona, uh, and I think Sebring, which are the big three uh, endurance racing uh, ones for, I'm trying to remember exactly what type of car this counts as, like GT or Pro Car, or maybe Pro Car was in the 80s. Um, but with these, like, they actually showed off the other guys in the teams. Like, you see Christian Bale get out, swap out for a different driver, because that's how they do it. They have, like, three or four drivers who, you know, take a shift. Right. So I, it's almost I didn't, like I didn't a, know but, that, and they don't, and they do a good job of not describing you exactly what's happening they don't say okay now he now you have yeah. to get out so I, like they literally just show it happening and you immediately understand okay this is I, yeah because no, they're not gonna drive for 24 hours straight well, right, I, had, like, I had no idea i was like okay so this is 24 hours so he can't do that all himself mm-hmm. and you see him get out and switch out and like you see it happen yep. and you understand immediately it's it's filmed in a very clear way so you know exactly what's going on it's that's perfect. why that's why they were saying like they they are picking their team and then they name all these racers yeah. you know whatever um if you would have watched uh, the Art of Racing in the Rain, they showed that off too. Um, because they talked about like uh, the main character, Danny, at Daytona. Or I think it was Daytona. Maybe it was somewhere else. But he, it starts raining and he he just dominates. And then he has to swap out. And then the guy who he swapped with crashes and they lose the race. Hmm. And, you know, it's like kind of causing him to not move up from his, uh, his I guess, I don't know, uh, position in his career like he yeah. wants to get to the next uh level of, mm-hmm. of professional racing he just can't because his team is not doing great but, awesome so let's get into scores yeah then. let's do it uh so starting with first, first impressions. impressions what do you got Oof. uh i was really really pleased with this i it didn't you know, totally blow me away like other movies have it's this year. It's not necessarily a blow you away type of movie. But it's if, good. if you if the proficiency of itself, like like I said before, mm-hmm. how I was I was impressed with the way it shows up and does a job. That alone might blow some people away. That can in mm-hmm. its in and of itself can be something that's very impressive to people and can but for me personally it's just not going above and beyond in that way. But yeah, yes. keep going. I no, I think you summed it up perfectly. I would give it a nine out of ten. It was really really solid it it was i mean as as good as i could ever ask for a movie to be um but it just didn't have that incredible wow factor yeah for for me at least other than maybe like one or two scenes when when i the first time i saw the daytona i like my face lit up in there the shelby daytona not the not the racetrack i can google a picture of that anytime Yes, I can too with the car. Uh, that and like the flyover scene was really, really awesome to me. Mm-hmm. But um, besides those, it wasn't it wasn't anything like unbelievably extraordinary that I couldn't stop thinking about it. But I still think a nine out of ten is as good as I can give it. There. Yeah. What about um, you? I have this as a seven right now. Seven out of ten. Um, which is not to say I really love this movie. Honestly, like mm-hmm. a seven for me is is honestly really good. I've only given three eights so far this year. Mm. And I several sevens. Uh, I know one of them. What's right. one of them? Well, just the Princess Bride. Oh no, I'm talking about on the like this that came out this year. Oh, sorry. Okay, I was thinking like if you're talking reviews, I'm just no. I'm I'm sorry. That. Movies that came out this year. Oh, all right. Um, I feel like this could possibly be an eight after a rewatch. Yeah. But as of right now, it's it's a it's a solid seven. Um, and it's at I have it at nine for the year. Okay. Overall. Yeah, I was thinking since you said it was top ten, but you didn't sound like it was anything 
above top five. So I was gonna yeah. guess eight or nine. All right. So so seven seven is is solid. Like it's yeah. a, it's a it's a really good movie. No, I I yeah I can't can't de- can't deny that. I wouldn't argue with your seven. That's fine. Yeah. Um. So story. I think they did a great job with this. How they balanced, like you know, parts of it where they're not racing, where they're building it, where they're trying to deal with the executives, where they're you know, everything about this I felt was super well balanced, and you everything you would want you did in the portion you wanted at. And I think that's largely true. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the way that they wrote this, and I, and I really love the writing with this one too. The the anytime anybody's speaking, it's either witty or kind of really intense or just it was very well done. And I don't know. Let's yeah. It's it's who, it's, who it's, it's almost. It's, I think it, I think it's James Mangold. Um, yeah. it's not. It's oh no, it wasn't James Mangold. It is. Let's give him a shout out. Jez and John Henry Butterworth, who I've not heard of. That sounds... oh, they wrote they wrote Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. And Spectre. Right on. Uh, awesome. I'm not so, a huge fan of Spectre, but Edge of Tomorrow is a great movie. Uh, hey, out of all the James Bond movies, I think Spectre has the be- like best cars in it because they show off. Uh, oh my gosh, when when they actually get to like that one place where all the all the evil people are meeting, and it wasn't that in London or maybe it was in France or something. You know, where they right before that big car chase and everything with Christoph Waltz is like, you know, he kind of looks up and he sees him. I don't remember. Sorry. Oh, they, they have like I a parking lot. The theater. There's like a parking lot just filled with supercars. Yeah, and it's really cool. And I believe one of them is a Jaguar. Uh, oh my gosh, C X seventy five. I want to say this. This is one thing um, that also this kind of ties into with the movie that you know they were talking about James Bond doesn't drive a Ford. Yeah, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like it is You're true. Right. That, that, is, that, that, is, that is that is a good tie-in, honestly. Yeah. So, but but in the James Bond movie, uh, they, they that Jaguar I was talking about, they are just selling that I think this year. That they, they only made like four of those Jaguars because they were essentially uh, prototype hypercars for 2011 that just never went into production. And the fact that they only made four, like three of them, two or three were test cars and one was in that movie and now they're selling it. I'm like, I've never wanted to be a billionaire more than right now because I would be at that auction and I would buy that car for anything under 50 million. I swear I would, I, I would fight for that thing. Oh, it's, it's like one of the most beautiful cars ever. Um, and yeah, it just, it just made me think of that. But yeah, James Bond movies. I, I'm, I'm a huge Aston Martin fan. I love Jaguars. Not as much as Aston Martin's, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I digress. Sorry, I'm going off on too much of a car tangent here. You're just kind of letting no, me it's no. Lose. Honestly, it's 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 great because like it's interesting to hear that perspective that you're really proficient in. Um, I know makes and models, but you asked me to like, hey, fix this car. There's no way I can do it. <laughs> the mechanical side, that is not me, but the makes and models, years, stuff like that. I that's where I kind of excel. Yeah. I mean, anytime where you have someone who is really passionate about something and kind of knows the area. It's, I think, honestly, I think any, no matter what it is, even if it's not something I'm personally interested in, I think it's just interesting to hear someone's expertise. Mm. So what do you got for story, for score, for number? For story's score, I think I would give this a 10. Okay, sweet. I, I think it's a 10. I think there's nothing I would change about it. It was well-written, well-executed, very very well done movie overall and i think everything was balanced perfectly there was no pacing issues and that's yeah a key thing yeah and i think i agree with you mostly i think throughout the whole thing it does have a very proficient script it does have 
interesting dialogue happening throughout, but that's not really so much story. But I think the inter- most interesting thing for me about this story is that obviously the dual protagonist that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably what brings it up for me for story because it's differentiating itself as far as not being just a generic biopic. Yeah. But I, on the on the whole, it's just a. I think this is largely a well executed biopic. But again, biopics have to have something more for me to kind of like like the Social Network. How the Social Network is a biopic that kind of applies itself to modern day and, mm-hmm. and has all these little flourishes that that uh, that make it excel above and beyond. It was way it, beyond to me. It was a very for, artsy for, movie for a biopic. I yeah, it's say. it has. It, it differentiates itself and I think Aaron Sorkin's really good at that at, at differentiating but he does the same thing with Steve Jobs Steve Jobs is a really interestingly structured movie mm-hmm. because it's it takes the entire movie takes place at the three different expos of Apple yep. and you follow Steve Jobs across that and Aaron, Aaron Sorkin's been is awesome at doing that but I think here the thing that differentiates the most is you see both characters kind of develop equally and I think that's probably and then otherwise so probably if seven, if seven is like solid I think that bumps up to like about an eight for me yep so eight for me for story. Great. Acting. I really like the acting in this. I think the bits of comedy they threw in it were really good and the jokes landed well. Um, I, I have no real complaints, but I'm going to defer to you because I feel like you're going to have some good points and I, I kind of want to let my score simmer a bit and let me kind of digest, digest some thoughts here and... Um, I'll get back to you on that. So let's hear what you've got. Yeah, this. I think acting is, the more that I think about it, this is going to get, I think, probably a pretty high score because you've got Matt Damon and Christian Bale, obviously, who are two heavyweights in the mm-hmm. acting arena. But you've also got John Bernthal and Tracy Letts in the Lee Iacocca and Ford the Second roles, yes. respectively. And they're both really solid. Yeah. Like they, Iacocca they, was awesome. They, like Because even though they don't have that much screen time and even not necessarily that much dialogue, the actors themselves are able to to flash out those characters like the minute you see them on the screen you see that they fit the character and and their actions and they kind of do the most with their screen time Mm. and i really appreciate that because especially when you've got a lot of supporting characters like this and josh lucas who plays the who plays the henchman yeah the the, role i think that was the i don't know how else to describe him that was the guy who was his name is uh his name is leo bb yeah. Um and he the character and he's the, he, the character. Yeah. The, Josh Lucas is the actor. I, I only know him. He was the He was the head of the racing division of He Ford, was in American Psycho and a Beautiful Mind, apparently. Mm. I, I recognize no idea I, I, rec- I recognized his face. I just wasn't sure where I had seen him in. Um but Yeah, I think he was head he's of racing. He's really in good. This. Yeah, he's and he was he was the one who was trying to get them out of the race. Well he the just whole time, didn't basically. Yeah, he didn't want he ten didn't miles want, and then right. yeah, and and so that's what yeah, and so he and he he's an essential role to the plot of the movie, yeah. and, but he he brings that kind of menace to the to the role not necessarily menace but like he poor naturedness i don't know without kind of coming off as super annoying which i think is a hard thing to pull off because yeah. he because i wasn't like annoyed by him because like i think with the danger with that type of character is that it might come off as grating mm-hmm. and just difficult to watch but like I still enjoyed yeah. everything that he did. Like I liked watching him they on didn't screen, even though you did do it. Right? Yeah. You did, it's not like you you still realize that he was hurting our main characters, but he's still enjoyable to see on screen, which yeah. is a really hard thing to do, honestly. Because like with bad characters yeah. like that, it's so easy to get into. Like, man, I am sick of watching this. Like, I've yeah. I am sick of watching this happen, and it's just annoying to me. But he he pulled that off it's really because well. Because that is a very tough thing to balance. Yeah. Because you need to make this guy bad enough to add actually be the a main threat. protagonist or yeah or i'm sorry antagonist yeah he needs to be the main antagonist 
because he's he, he's putting pressure on Ken yep. Miles and 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 yep. and Shelby for the entire movie. Yes. So you need to you need to get this guy. So he's a bad guy with he he almost has to like overshadow Ferrari here because that's essentially well he does that anyways, but he has to do that. Uh, and he's kind of the main bad guy, but he has to be a bad guy in a way where it's subtle enough where you don't hate every scene you see him in, like you said. And it also has to kind of make sense. Like, they're not just making him a bad guy to be a for bad guy. For the sake guy. of being a bad yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Which he actually, a lot of You show- see his motivations yep. for being a bad guy. You see why yep. he wants them out. Like, and it makes sense. You can... Mm-hmm. you can, Yeah, from a financial the, that's what, standpoint. Right, and, that's yeah. what the best thing for... That's what the best bad guys do. Like, uh, I always bring up Killmonger from Black Panther as someone who's who you understand where they're coming from. You know why they're doing the things they are. And you can mm-hmm. almost... And you can empathize with them as a villain. Yep. And he's not so what he's not a he's not a mustache twirling kind of yeah. I'm obvious no, here to, to destroy the be, to destroy the good guy. He's just there but, to make money and 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 save face for the company. He doesn't right, he exactly. doesn't want to take the risks that mm-hmm. Shelby and Miles are willing exactly. to do. And he and, and he plays that very 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 well. Yes. And I think uh, also um, Christian Bale, uh, Ken Miles' son, played by Noah Jupe, who is in a quiet place. Uh, the, the boy from A Quiet Place. I have not seen A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place is but. really. I love it. I love A Quiet Place, and he's and he's pretty good in it, and he's also good here. I think he's got. A he might GT have a, would not do well in A Quiet Place. No, no. <laughs> Just starts revving it up. Hey, but you don't run the monsters. We could do we that. Could, we could that. outrun the monsters with the with the yeah. Ford GT. You know, like two hundred five. You know, just down a highway. Good luck catching that thing. Yeah, but I think I think the relationship between Noah Jupe and Christian and just Christian Bale is is kind of the heart of this movie in a lot of ways. It's other very, than yeah, like that's 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 where you get the most kind of feels from the movie. You know, very believable too. And and it's like. That adds a lot to the movie, honestly, is is that relationship. Because, again, it, like, it, it's a dad movie in that way, too. Like, it's literally a dad movie. Yeah. And you get the feels from that because it kind of is able to flesh out him as as more of a person. And, again, I like I love so much that the relationship between between Christian Bale and Noah Jopi's characters are just so wholesome. Like, there's no, yes. there's no issues with that. It's just, like, they're talking about racing and they're talking about cars and they're talking about planes and they're talking about... The Ford company as it affects them, but like there's still like there's no there's no bad nature about it, and it's just it's just I like what and I think that's a, re- a, re- a reason why it's a crowd pleaser yes. in a way, but it's just it's not crowd pleasing to the point where it becomes unbelievable or uh, d- ingenuine. Like it's it feels very genuine, but at the same time, it's it, like that's a that's also a very difficult thing to do because a lot of times when you have that more wholesome relationships and the, and the wholesome type of story. It doesn't come across as genuine because you're inserting it's it's gonna be become saccharine because it doesn't feel true. Yes. But here you it it's it's a, first of all it's a real life story first of all. Yes. Second of all it just the filmmaking go, that goes into it you you feel for the characters and you understand where and who they are and and their relationship to each other and you know that this is something that you can get on board with as an emotional experience. I got my store for acting. Awesome. I'm gonna give it a nine. Okay. I think I was gonna do the same thing because I I, I wasn't sure about this at first because I first it's like, like seven because there's like it's not like a necessarily a standout performance it's not like you look at like I was I was like super impressed with Leonardo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I think that's like one of the most mm-hmm. like because he's doing so much in that role he's got to pull off acting acting within acting chilling acting outside out. of acting yeah. like chilling out he's, he does. He does the gambit in that movie, and yeah. all of it, and his and his emotions. It shows are his this, um, abilities and his range. Right, it's it's so an well. it's a crazy range, and I think that's the best performance of the year, in my opinion. But Ford versus Ferrari, 
you've got these solid performances that really bring a heart to this entire movie. And it's not just Christian Bale and Matt Damon. It's every single person across the entire board. The girl who played Ken Miles' wife, she's great. Yeah, uh, her name is uh, Catriona Balf. Yeah, she's great. The the son's great. She apparently was in Now You See Me and Super 8. I don't remember him, her uh, in those movies, but, but that's she's like one of those really actors you gotta just go back and look for him. Yeah, you know? like I mean, she could be an upper <clears throat> up and comer for all I know. Like right? she was, she was really I've, good at this. I, and I she didn't could, know if and, I had seen her in anything. I, I mean, I've I've obviously seen her because I've seen those two movies, but like yeah. I, she's good enough in here that like if she gets noticed, I think she could become like she's good Some enough big. here. Yes, that she's has the and, ability to. She is. She's playing more of a stereotypical wife role here. But good in in ways. I thought the scene where her and and Ken were driving and she starts like yeah, that take, is a good. Scene. She starts yeah. flooring it because mm-hmm. she's mad at him a little bit and she's angry. Like you know, I thought and his react Christian Bale's reaction to that, the way he kind of <laughs> plays with that and his 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 facial expressions are so they're they're over over the top in a way that mm-hmm. that's more comedic than it is eye rolling. Yeah. No, they're great. They're a great duo. I totally it could, believe that. Because that, that over the top kind of thing could be just eye rolling, but he, mm-hmm. but his 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 eyes come bring across this sort of. It, it's it's in a, it's in a way that makes you laugh at him and, and feel with him rather than just be like, okay, this is dumb. Yep. Yeah. No, that was great. I, yeah. So you think it a nine for? Yeah, the I think a nine for acting. Honestly, it's it's solid across the board. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, look and feel. Man, they nailed it. Yeah. Every this is a 10. This is a 10. This is a great great movie. They show off Le Mans really well. Um they show off the cars beautifully. Every everything is just enjoyable to watch. I also want to give a shout out for them being pretty pretty darn accurate with the background of these guys. Hmm. Sh- there's a there's a YouTube channel called Donut Media. They are all about cars. They talk about all these things. It's they're they're great and it's really funny too. Like you just watch it and they you can tell they're having a good time talking about cars and they they animate it well and show actual videos and pictures and all this stuff while they're talking about things. And sometimes they'll just go and talk about specific brands or people. They've talked about Shelby. Carol okay. Shelby. I remember in that video they talked about how he had a heart condition. Right off the bat, you 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 see that, you know, he had a heart condition that got him to stop racing. And by the way, shout out to Aston Martin again. They that was what he won won Le Mans in when he when he did it hmm. uh, was in, was for Aston Martin, um, which again they did a great job with those cars too. A- every car that they show is so beautiful and just a pillar of the time. I mean, they show off MG and Porsche and Corvettes and just everything you would want from this movie at this time. You get. Oh, it was great. It was great. Just, I mean, the only movie I've had kind of more fun looking at the background cars in was actually Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just because I felt like that one had even more variety than this. Yeah. This kind of focused on a few key brands, but the ones that they show in this, they show, and it's it's eye candy the whole time. Yeah, it's in, I mean, it's interesting how that plays a role, because like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the cars and the, and the world of the 60s is more of the background and here they're mm-hmm. focusing on it yes. more but i think the background aspect of it once upon a time in hollywood is almost more interesting to me in a way because they, it's yeah. it's it's fleshing it's fleshing out the world mm-hmm. whereas here it's 
it, it, it is the world, but in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the world itself, the, the, the world as far as the plot goes is, is the acting and the Hollywood side of it, whereas the cars in the world of the 60s is able to serve as a backdrop for that, whereas here, I think the cars and stuff is, is both the world of the pl literal plot itself as well as the background that is provided for that world, and I think it just doesn't feel as in-depth in, in Four versus Ferrari, whereas in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's, it feels very... It's got dimensions to it. It's it's very. It feels very three dimensional. The world has very has a lot of layers layers to it because of that. And I think that's just one one aspect of it that's positive. But I think for sure here, the look and feel is very solid overall. Yes. And I just want to say with with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they use the cars in the background to actually not only show off different things in the story, which I'll get into in a sec. It also is one of the more accurate representations of California in the way I've seen it. Because if you go to California, that's like in America, outside of New York City. And actually, I think it, it's more uh, L.A. than even New York City. Uh, that is where you'll find the most supercars, the most sports cars anywhere. Yeah. Per like, That's it. Like You're driving on the highway. Every day, you're probably going to see something really cool. Um, and in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they show, uh, you know, all these sports cars and supercars kind of in the background when they're up in the hills by the main character's house. But when they're in the city, they're not showing those. They're just showing, you know, maybe a Cadillac here or there, hmm. you know, some Plymouth, some Ford, some Chevys. They show off that, which it, it, it kind of shows the difference in the, in the you know, the income of these people depending on where they're living and yeah. it, it built it, it's just really cool yeah so like like i said so it's it's accurate to how la is because you'll see a lot of these cars you know and it's also accurate just because just it's just world building and, yeah. and making a very realistic world that's what i wanted mm -hmm. to say but either I way for, for my look and feel yeah i think this movie has a like pretty much flawless look and feel as far as what it's trying to accomplish you know mm -hmm. like it, it, it's look and feel does exactly what it needs it to do i think maybe the most lacking part of here is like the score and soundtrack it's not like with once upon a time in hollywood the soundtrack is flawless to me like mm -hmm. it, it every single cue feels exactly right and you and you, it feels exactly from that time period yeah. whereas here the score it does once upon a time in Hollywood doesn't have a score. We keep comparing it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood takes place in the exact same time period as this. Pretty not the exact same, not, but the, yeah. very close, close enough. Close enough. Here there is a score, whereas there isn't one in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But it's it's not the most but standout score. But it, it doesn't it, it doesn't necessarily stand out. It's done by Marco Beltrami, who I really like, who's worked with James Mangold a lot. He worked with him on Logan as well as uh, Three Ten to Yuma, okay. which both I think probably have better scores than this. Honestly. Uh, I really like the score to Logan, um, but I think the soundtrack. Nothing really stands out for me as as exceptional about that. But as far as this, like the sound editing and sound design goes, yes. and and the film editing, those three things are like flawless, on point, Oscar worthy. Yes. I think this movie's gonna win all three of those Oscars, yes. honestly. And it's and it looks like according to Gold Derby, which is just predictions, obviously. But like it's those those three categories. Ford versus Ferrari is is in the contending, if not the favorite for those, and I think obviously deservedly so. The cinematography here, it's it accomplishes what it needs to. That it's that is also not above and beyond. Um, there's definitely other yeah. more worthy contenders for cinematography this year. It's a very um, safe. It's safely shot. It's it's. I think there's some stu pretty stunning shots that like the scene where uh, Ken Miles and his son are on the tarmac. 
That yeah. scene looks pretty fantastic. But I think overall, it is. You're right. It's very safe. It's very safe. It doesn't it, have outside anything of when the racing. When, they're, about. when the, the racing, racing, it gets it, better. It, it, it looks, steps up. It, look, it does step up. But I think overall, it's not like the lighthouse. I think yes. the lighthouse has got a, is contending for for cinematography. The other contender, once upon a time in Hollywood, also I think is better shot than this. The other contenders for cinematography, as of right now, obviously, we still obviously have another month and a half to go before Oscar season is kind of done. But 1917 and The Irishman are the two top contenders <sighs> I'm so for cinematography. For those, I know. So I'm like pumped for those, and I haven't. And neither of them are out yet. Yeah. But those it, are the two top contenders for cinematography according to Gold Derby. But I think film editing, Ford vs Ferrari is in number two spot. And for sound editing and sound design, it's at number one for both of them. One great shot I loved in this movie that they sh- actually showed off in either a trailer or a commercial or a preview, one of those. Um, there's just a great tracking shot right at the end of that race where it kind of like you start kind of up maybe 40, 50 feet up mm-hmm. and it kind of goes down and behind the four GTs. Yeah. Just flooring it and doing that one like really fast lap. Um, but yeah. I, anyways, that's that's it for that. So what- Yeah, and I think for my, so for my score overall... I think this movie accomplishes what it's supposed to do, but it's not, again, over... I think this is probably very similar to story. It has a couple things that that elevate it from, like, a 7, which is Mm -hmm. accomplishing what it's supposed to do. And I think so probably an 8 is probably accurate for this. Okay. Because it's elevated. It has a couple parts that elevate it, and the rest of it's pretty much adequate. Yeah. And I think eight's probably accurate for that. I think that's about right. Uh, Effect, then. This is going to be difficult for me because the effect was lessened by the feeder itself, with the flickering screen, True. which took me out of it several times throughout the movie, but I think I can't. I don't think I can hold that against the movie itself because that's not the movie's fault. Although my my overall experience, as far as the emotions go and everything, weren't as good as they possibly could have been. So I guess what, what do I have to do? Estimate what they would have been I, otherwise. I don't know. I doubt it. I would say estimate, but yeah, that's what I would have to do. I don't really know. I mean, I do want to see would this give again. It simply, I okay. <clears throat> I do want to see this again simply because of that. I mean, I w- I would want to see it again otherwise. Anyways, yeah. but I think eighth probably accurate for me also. It it didn't blow me away. Maybe out. nine. I, maybe nine. Because I had such, I did have a great time. Mm. Like it's it's yeah. a, like this. If if you're gonna call this movie anything, it's either a dad movie or b entertaining or not entertaining, uh, crowd pleasing. Yeah, one of the t- or entertaining, it's, entertaining, crowd pleasing, dad movie. Perfect it, explanation of this movie. All, like if if any of those, those yeah. things, all three of those, if any of those things sound interesting to you, this is the movie. This, I think this is the movie. I think this is gonna have great legs. Honestly, yeah. thirty million first weekend. I think it's gonna drop forty percent at the most next weekend. Honestly, I, if they did, that would be all. I mean, actually, that's not true because Frozen Two is opening next weekend. Never mind. I take that back. We'll see where it is. We'll see where it lands. But I, th- how much did it cost to make? I just want to know. Um, What's the budget? I don't. Okay, so Box Office Mojo completely changed their entire interface, and it's so much worse. It's absolutely terrible. They took away like half of the information that you normally get. It's mm. awful, and I hate it. <laughs> but try, and I think and IMDb I think budget. Maybe? No, for uh, Box Office Mojo, Mojo is IMDb. Oh, okay. It's their Box Office section. Got it. Uh, yeah, it's Box Office Mojo by IMDb Pro. Uh, but gotcha. I don't think you get I don't think you get budget anymore. It's really <laughs> dumb. I don't even I don't even understand. But w- usually you, they check down Wikipedia. They don't necessarily have budget available at this point, anyways, in the yeah, release. Maybe it's usually not until it, a little bit later. Early. It really it really depends on the type of movie, obviously, honestly. But yeah, budget it says ninety seven point six million. It'll make that. Yeah, to be They'll a profit, be I think I think the rule of thumb, because of advertising and everything, the rule of thumb is that for a movie to profit, it needs to make back twice its budget. Mm. So, and that I mean, I think that includes. I, I think it'll overseas. Do it. It'll have legs. Also, it'll have legs. It'll do it. 
I don't think it'll do great in Italy. I think in car, Italy car movies, car movies generally, I mean, not generally, car movies, I think, tend to do well overseas. Like, you think of the Fast and Furious movies, mm. which do gangbusters overseas. But I think that's kind of different because that people go see Fast and Furious for the same reason people go see Transformers. It's not really... Yeah, but Transformers has cars, too. I know, but it's more for the action and the ridiculous, like... But, like, I think cars are a part of it. I think the yeah. the, the, the the car sort of... Because cars are you. largely manufactured overseas. Very true. And so I think that that might be... I think that might be part yeah. of the reason why. It's just a theory that I have. I don't know if that's actually confirmed or not, or whatever. I don't know. Okay. But I think... Yeah, I think 9 is accurate for my fact. Honestly, I had a really great time, especially for a two-and-a-half-hour movie. All right, so where are we sitting? What is the total score? Total score, we got 87 out of 100. 87 out of 100? That's very, very solid. That's yeah. very solid for us. Yeah, for, um, our, for our store, anything like above an 80 above is Above an 80 decent, is pretty, so. pretty good. 87, let's see where that puts it. 87 puts us at uh, same score as the Prestige got. So nice. we got uh, 87 for Ford vs. Ferrari and puts it right below into the Spider-Verse. Which I got can see that. Eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Honestly, that's. I I I was a little surprised. I wasn't sure how you were gonna feel about this. Um. I I I didn't know if you were gonna love this or how how you were gonna receive it. But I'm glad we kind of lined up on this one because I feel like it is definitely a worthwhile movie. I probably will go see it again. Yeah. I think I I, I don't know if I'll have time because like Frozen Two comes out next week. And so does Frozen. Come on, man. And so does uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That I will go see. I think I'm I'm going to see that more for Matthew Reese than I am for anything else because I really like him as an actor. I mean, Tom Hanks, I think, is probably lining up for the Oscar at this point, pretty much. Mm, Yeah. Because it's Tom Hanks and he's playing, and it also helps that he's in in a supporting role, you know, because supporting is much easier to win. Although Brad Pitt is also in the supporting. That's, again, supports my our conversation earlier yeah. talking about dual protagonists brad pitt is also lining up to win supporting actor he deserves it i i think he'll deserve it more than yeah. tom hanks will, i think i i mean unless tom hanks have, pulls like performance of the century performance out of, of the century out of it right yeah but i think overall from it'd be hard to it's again, hard to beat a tarantino supporting character right ever. honestly like, like brad pitt when has he not yeah. won it well right supporting characters from tarantino like uh, you look at christoph waltz and jango on chain and yep. you look at uh christoph waltz and inglorious bastards <laughs> and you look at christoph uh, waltz and no, no christoph waltz and whatever else christoph waltz was in yeah, christoph waltz and elita battle angel no yeah. <laughs> no how about if, green oh Hornet? my no. gosh if christoph waltz gets nominated for elita battle angel <laughs> That we would... are we are definitely boycotting the Oscars. We're finally going to do it. <laughs> no, Christoph we've Waltz said, for Green Hornet. We've said we're going to do it for years, and we're finally going to do it if Elite <laughs> Battle Angel gets nominated for an Oscar. It's going to happen. Yeah, no, it was just the eyes, man. I think that just turned me off from that movie, those big eyes. Yeah, I, I just didn't enjoy it from a story perspective. No? All right. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for us here at 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. Thanks for tuning in. Again, Ford versus Ferrari just stored an 87 out of 100 from us. So, yeah, go see it while it's in theaters. You have a very good night. Coming up next is Film Spotting. Thanks for listening.